It's bracket time. No, not the NCAA tournament brackets, but New Japan Cup brackets. We will give you our picks on the upcoming tournament, but also look back at New Japan's anniversary show. What's more convoluted than a tournament bracket busted by a 10 seed? How about the storyline between Ronda, Charlotte, and Becky? We will try to figure out this mess in our WWE talk as we look ahead to Fastlane. We debut our new segment, PWG Rewind, as we look back at matches from the man who will be a part of the championship match at Fastlane. Plus, we discuss Ring of Honor, NWA, and MLW. Next. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. I am here. You are. (laughs) And are you here? I guess. Uh-huh. Is that a hologram of you? Okay. It's me. It's okay. real. It's really me. Well, we got a big week of wrestling coming up uh, as New Japan Cup kicks off. We got Fast Lane this weekend. Ring of Honor's show, uh, pay per view show, is next week. So we're hitting a, a stretch as we start looking ahead to G1 Supercard and WrestleMania. It's going to be a busy four, five, six weeks now. Man, it's going to be insane. And we got hockey in between. Unrelated to wrestling, but you and I got some hockey going on, too. Of course. Go Bruins. Yeah, go Bruins. (laughs) I have her converted. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Uh, Well, let's talk about, before we get into the show, uh, where people can find you and uh, what they can get out of finding you on social media. Yep, you can find me on Twitter especially. I'm always on there. I was asking people what their favorite cereal was <laughs> just the other day. So if you want to tell me your favorite cereal, go look on my Twitter. That's mm. at SuperKickingIt. S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. Do you have a favorite? Hmm, that's a tough one. I like Frosted Mini Wheats a lot. That's boring. What well, the hell? I like Cinnamon Toast Crunch a lot. Me too. That one's my number three pick. Those are probably two of my favorites. Can you guess number one for me? Uh, probably something like Fruit Loops or... No, you, I told you it, you forgot it. Rice Krispie uh, oh, Variety. Rice, yeah, the Rice Krispie Treat things. It's Rice Krispie Treat cereal. Well, you can Hard al- to find. You, you can also just mainline sugar directly into your veins if you'd like. That's how I live. <laughs> My old screen name used to be Sugar High with six H's. <laughs> so yeah. I believe it. It was. But um, yeah, check me out there on Twitter. I've got a lot of stuff going on, including in the next few weeks i'll be debuting my live show which will be on periscope which actually plays on twitter so you'll be able to watch the videos on twitter and i'm also going to do it on youtube live it's going to be called kelsey likes and the premise is i'm going to be talking about different topics every week all one thing in common stuff that i love and like and so i'm going to have votes every week about what topics i should do the first episode has already been decided. The vote won for 90s Nickelodeon discussion. And at the end of every show, I'm going to end with a recommendation on additional reading or like a documentary to watch. Anything that adds extra info on that week's topic. So like 90s Nickelodeon, I'll have a few podcasts to recommend and a, a couple books to recommend at the end. 
Sounds like homework to me. It actually is homework. Are you going to quiz people afterwards? No, but I've done a lot of research into this first episode. Not every episode will be this research. I'm not just going to have random information. I want to have interesting tidbits. I don't want to just say, oh, I like this show or I liked this 90s show. I want to have interesting things like, oh, this is some behind-the-scenes little interesting fact about that. Also, I talked to my dad about why he enjoyed the Nickelodeon cartoons in the 90s because he watched them with me, but he had an adult perspective, of course, while I was a kid growing up. So it's very interesting to hear his answers about why he liked it. So all that coming up on Kelsey Likes, which again, you could find on my Twitter eventually. And we also want to uh, thank St. Arnold Brewing for their support of us for almost a full year, which we should mention. We just passed uh, the year anniversary mark of our first episode here. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. We've discussed so much stuff. And I don't know, I think I have a few favorite points of our past. I think that when we spoofed the Space Jam theme song and I got you to be a part of the song, I think that was great. And it took a lot of work. So we, we made Space Jam into Space Slam, and it was all about wrestling. And we did a whole pop in wrestling about that. Yep, we've done a lot of good stuff. We did the extended Young Bucks show. We did our live podcast at the St. Arnold Brewery a few weeks ago before Elimination Chamber, so so it's fun, been a fun year. Yeah, and we also did all, just a whole bunch of interesting interviews as well, which hopefully we're going to get some more coming up soon, because I know we haven't had one in a while, but we got to interview so many great people. I really had fun talking to Caprice Coleman. Well, we don't want to jump too far ahead. We're hoping we're going to have a special episode next week, but that's still kind of up in the air. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition, so we don't want to give anything away until it actually happens, I guess. Yeah. we got some but, things in the works. But regardless, we want to thank St. Arnold for their support for the full year they've been with us every step of the way. But now, it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. And we are going to start with New Japan and their anniversary show, which was uh, Wednesday morning, you know, our time. Wednesday night there. Uh, I thought it was an interesting show, but it's what came out of the show afterwards that I guess we should mention first about a legend. Oh, yeah. We heard afterwards that Jushin Thunder Liger, who, of course, was in a match against Ishimori, and he lost, but Liger is going to retire next year at the Tokyo Dome. And before that, he's going to kind of go on a retirement tour, he's calling it, because he wants to say goodbye to all the places he's been, and I think that's going to be really cool to see what he does in this next year. It'll be sad to say goodbye, though, to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, junior heavyweight ever. And if he's on his goodbye tour, you got to think we'll see him maybe at Madison Square Garden at the G1 Supercard. you got to think he's got to be a part of that show, don't you? I do, and also I saw an interesting tweet from Nick Aldis. We'll talk NWE later, but he said, I wonder if Liger wants to challenge for the 10 pounds of gold. I'd love to see that. That would be interesting. Uh, I'll tell you what, speaking of Thunder Liger, you know, I, I, a lot of times he's just part of a six-man tag. And, you know, the match a couple weeks ago, he was only in for like 30 seconds. I think we joked about that. His match the other night against Ishimori, I thought was really good. Like, I think it's as good as I've seen Thunder Liger look, you know, since I've been paying attention seriously to New Japan Wrestling. I thought he was really good. He was really good. He was definitely on his A game, I think. And it's funny that he had such a good match and then announces his retirement. But, you know, he is getting older, and I'm sure it's harder. And he even kind of said in the press conference that, you know, once he stopped getting better, 
and stopped making progress in his training, he then he knew it was time to stop. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I did like Colt Cabana being on the uh, broadcast, and he talked about growing up in Chicago, he would go up to the Gurney Mills outlets, which if you're from the Midwest, you know where the Gurney Mills outlets are. And they used to have a big wrestling store in there. My buddy Iddings used to always want to stop there because they always had great wrestling tapes. And Colt Cabana talked about that he would always go and get Thunder Liger tapes at the Gurney Mills Outlet Mall at that wrestling store. So I thought that was kind of funny to hear that perspective as well. That is funny, actually. That's <laughs> a good point. I would have never known that. But, yeah, it's going to be a sad time for wrestling to not have Liger in the mix anymore. But what a legend. So many contributions to Really, wrestling as a whole, if you think about all the people he's influenced, especially junior weights and the style of wrestling he did, it was kind of revolutionary, you know. And I'll never forget one of my favorite things with him, his matches against Brian Pillman. I think that's some stuff that sometimes gets overlooked. So if you guys don't remember any of that, go back and check it out. I think there's at least one on the network. I'm sure there's some on New Japan World as well. Well, in the match itself, in this anniversary show, the crowd was so hot for Liger. It was it was crazy. I mean, it was one of your louder New Japan shows. But in the end, Ishimori wins by submission. And then afterwards, Dragon Lee comes out and challenges Ishimori. Looks like that may be a match that we see at G1 Supercard. I'm excited for the, that match. I love Dragon Lee. And rewinding a second to Ishimori, I feel like beating Liger was a step that needed to happen because... Not only now has he beaten Liger, but before, to gain the title in the first place, he beats Kushida, one of the current, you know, present guys in New Japan who kind of set the tone for the junior heavyweight division. So not only did he beat the guy who had carried that division for the last couple of years, who's now gone, but he also beat the classic older guy who set the stage for the division for like 10 plus years. So he beat both really kind of keystone guys in that division to cement himself as one of the best, if not the best, around right now, at least storyline-wise. Well, and I love that Ishimori is starting to show a little more personality, too. We mentioned it a couple weeks ago, the thing with Taguchi and revisiting his days as the sailor boy, I think was the boy band he was in, and doing the dance in the ring. And even this interaction afterwards with Dragon Lee, where he... he he said, I know a little Spanish kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was all really good. So Ishimori is one, you know, the the Bone Soldier character, not that interesting to me. But the more his, we're seeing his personality, and plus he's tremendous, he's really grown on me a lot. He's grown on me too. And if you guys have been longtime listeners, you know when he first debuted, I didn't know much about him, even though he had wrestled in Impact, a.k.a. TNA at one point. Uh, but I didn't know much at all and he really kind of used to wrestle a different style more high flying now he's kind of trying to be more like a heavyweight more ground and pound even though he's the junior heavyweight you know champion he's not doing as much high flying but again right now i'm liking him more and more i think it also helped we'll talk about this later in our new segment we saw a few matches of his in pwg as well well let's uh, shift gears to the main event of that show uh osprey versus jay white i i thought this was kind of a, a fun match and uh I guess we should look back before we look at this. We we wanted to compare it to a match that they had in Ring of Honor just a couple of years ago when Jay White was on his excursion. And we went back and watched this match, which was funny because it was only like an 11 or 12 minute match. But it was a great match. It was a great match. And I remember I watched that show live. This is from 2017. And I 
just remember it vividly. I was like, wow, I'm blown away. And that is the match. We talked about this not that long ago, like a few weeks ago, but I hadn't gone back and rewatched it. Now, we just did. So having rewatched it, I just remember all the feelings so vividly now. That's the match that made me pay attention to Jay White to begin to say, like, who is this kid? I had seen a few things here and there. Of course, that was his excursion. But man, what an impressive performance for him. And some things that really stuck out when I go back and we watched, it was basically Colt saying... New Japan officials are so high on this kid. It's one of the best excursions they think anyone's ever had with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he also said it was a more aggressive Jay White. Once he said that, I picked up on little hints. You know, when I was watching it back then, when I first saw it live, I thought, wow, he's such a baby face. But now knowing his heelish Switchblade character and going back and watching, I see these little hints mm-hmm. of that character. He throws Osprey into the barricades at one point, and he has this smug smirk. And I'm like, oh my god, there's yeah. a hint of the Switchblade right there. And I never, ever thought of him like a heelish character at all. Never saw any heelish tactics, so I don't know if I wasn't paying attention to the little notes of that match when I watched it live, or if it's just knowing now who he is that made me recognize it. I don't know, but it was cool to see that little touch of him. Well, and the interesting thing, too, was Kevin Kelly was on that broadcast, and he also reinforced that New Japan officials are really happy with the progress of Jay White. And, you know, like you mentioned, Colt said it, too. And so I thought, you know, now that we know what Jay White is, and he's the New Japan champion... And honestly, Osprey has developed so much in the last couple of years. It made that match a little more intriguing. And then there was things in that match that kind of happened in their match the other night. Yeah, like, I think, for instance, Will Osprey was going for an Oz cutter and got caught and White countered into something else. I don't remember the move he countered into, but I think something similar happened in this recent match at the New Japan Anniversary Show. And the funny thing is, so... At the 2017 Ring of Honor match, of course, Will Ospreay won because he was the established guy mm-hmm. back then. Now, of course, we know Jay White's at the top of the card. He's the guy to beat. And, he, of course, in this match, everything was different, and he beat Will Ospreay. So it's kind of fun to see the two differences in those two matches. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, in the in the one from the other night, I loved uh, a couple things uh Osprey does the kip up, and as soon as he pops up, Jay White slaps him across the face. Like, as soon as he's up, I thought that was a cool little touch. I like the Jay White, uh, they called it a sidewinder, where he, he basically slingshots Osprey into the corner post. I thought that was a cool move, too. I like the slap just even at the very beginning, and Osprey kind of was knocked down, and he looked at him like, what the hell? And then Jay White, like, smirked at him, like, yeah, I just did that. I just slapped you. Yeah, it was good. Uh, obviously, Jay White ends up winning the match. After the match, Ibushi you know, comes out and saves Osprey from Jay White's attack. Then the Bullet Club comes out. Then the locker room is coming out as Okada and other guys come out. Uh, kind of filling the ring with guys that were going to be in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, and they're all the whole gimmick is, because after they had a, a multi-man tag, that multi-man tag match ended with Okada, Goto, and Tanahashi all pointing at themselves, saying, no, I'm going to win New Japan right. Cup. Colts win commentary saying he's going to win because he's in New Japan Cup. So, again, right after that tag match in the main event, something similar happened. They all wind up pointing to themselves like, no, I'm going to win. Abushi pointing to himself. Again, Tanahashi, Okada, Goto all pointing to themselves. Osprey wasn't really pointing to himself. It was <laughs> He just lost the match, you know, which I think kind of hurts him in the tournament. But 
I'm hoping he's going to have a good showing, and we'll talk about our brackets in a second. Why don't we get right to that? Huh? Cool. Let's. All right. You go first. So we uh, we've been asked to do a bracket. So uh, you know, much like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's like an NCAA tournament bracket. There's going to be some upsets. Can you figure out who the upsets are going to be? Uh, who who do you think is a favorite? Who's uh, who's definitely going to be in the final four? We're not going to go through the whole bracket. We're going to pick it up with our quarterfinalists. And so on the left side of the bracket, or the left side of the bracket we used, I'm sure they're all different, but uh, I had Ishii going against Juice, and in that match I've got Ishii winning them, and then on the bottom half of that bracket I've got Okada and Osprey, and I've got Osprey beating Okada. Oh, wow, that's a surprise there. That's one of my upsets, sort of. And then I've got Osprey and Ishii, in the fi- or the semifinals, and I got Osprey going to the finals. Wow. Now, on the other side, I've got uh, uh, Tanahashi against uh, Ibushi, and uh, I got Ibushi winning in that quarterfinal. And then on the bottom half of that, I got Makabe and Suzuki with Suzuki winning, and then Ibushi beating him. So Osprey and Ibushi in the finals with Kota Ibushi. So a rematch of the never open weight match at Wrestle Kingdom, essentially. Yes. From before so it would be osprey and abushi again because that was magic right and abushi wins again and goes on to face jay white at g1 supercar i would really love to see that (laughs) so my bracket has some similarities to yours but also some big differences mainly let's start off right 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 off off the bat (laughs) so i've got instead of picking ishii i've got tai chi and it feels so wrong to say that he would beat Ishii, but um, I think they're giving him a monster push, so to me, it's I would like Ishii to win, but I think Tai Chi has a chance. So then I've got on the other, below that, I've got Yoshihashi winning, because I feel like Yoshihashi is... Kind of getting a push as well. Yeah, because he just came back from a big injury, and I know that's a weird matchup, Tai Chi versus Yoshihashi, but I think Yoshihashi would win. Just because he's, you know, been gone so long, and they need to give him some momentum. Because for a long time, even before he got injured, he didn't have any. This is a good way to rebuild him if they give him a big win and get him so far into the tournament. Well, then below that, I've got Okada versus Osprey, very similar to you. And then instead of Osprey going forward, I have Okada going forward. Because I don't want him to lose too much momentum. He's already kind of lost quite a bit. So to me, I feel like it might be Okada. Okay. So, yeah, then we've got Okada versus Yoshihashi on that side, and I've got Okada going into the finals. All right, and then your other side of the bracket in the quarterfinals? My other side would be Tanahashi versus Ibushi, and I've got Ibushi winning that. And then below that, I've got Yanu versus Suzuki. I almost put Yanu beating Suzuki. (laughs) And I think the reason I have them two squaring off is because... They've had great matches in the past, and I know that sounds weird. Yanu having great matches? He does have great matches. And for some reason, Yanu always gets the best of Suzuki. He's always someone who just uses his hijinks and gets over on Suzuki. So it would be great to have them have that awesome match, which I know they can have, and then I want Suzuki to be victorious for once. So then in my semifinals on that side, it would be Abushi versus Suzuki. Great match, just like you had. And I would have Abushi winning that. So my finals would be Okada versus Abushi, and I think Abushi's going to take the whole thing. So just both, like you. We both have Abushi winning it, which I don't think is a big stretch. I think a lot of people are going to pick that. I've seen a lot of people go that direction, um, yeah. The only difference is you've got Okada in the final, I've got Osprey. 
Uh, the Yanu Makabe is interesting because they, they're partners. Well, that's why I think it's going to be great if yeah. they both face each other. And that's why I have the picks that way. I have it Makabe Yanu and then Yano going forward. Um, I just think, I know Cabana is a great wrestler. He's one of my favorites ever. And one day I'm hoping we do a super kicking it old school all about Colt Cabana throughout his whole career. Like basically like a, a special on Cabana. Because he's done so much in the ring and outside the ring. I just see Makabe winning solely to face Yanu. I really, really do. I don't know. Now, uh, as this show is airing, the first night of New Japan Cup will have already taken place. That's kind of why we just jumped ahead to the quarterfinals. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to see our full brackets, you're going to put uh, both of our brackets on Instagram. Instagram and Twitter. So, yes. So you'll be able to see our full picks, and we promise all our picks were done before the tournament got underway. <laughs> yes. So by this time that that you're listening we could be completely wrong yes. already. Yeah. There could so, be a monumental upset and destroy the brackets, just like day one of the NCAA basketball tournament. Yep, just like your little tease intro. Exactly. It all ties together. But I honestly think I'm going to be completely wrong. I'm always wrong when I'm guessing. People are like, do prediction shows. I hate predictions because I'm always wrong. <laughs> but that's the beauty of wrestling. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, and we'll see what ends up happening. And uh, we're going to discuss a ton of it next week because we'll have, at that point, Four or five nights will have been already in the books by the time we record next week. Oh my gosh! At least, at least three nights, maybe four. How are we going to survive? <laughs> I think we'll be fine. I hope we'll find time. Booze and wrestling. That sounds fun. <laughs> kind of like the band we saw, Booze and Glory, not too long ago. Yeah, that was awesome. Opening for Dropkick Murphys, Booze and uh, and wrestling and wrestling. Yeah, that I, should be a band. I, I was trying. Well, I was trying to think of a G term in wrestling. But I couldn't think of one right away. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to WWE. And uh, not a lot you would think would happen on the week leading up to a pay-per-view. We talk about that a lot. But there were a few uh, noteworthy things. Uh, right off the bat, I thought Triple H's promo oh, to yeah. Batista was great. I liked it, but it wasn't my favorite Triple H promo. But it was a great reminder of why, I guess I'll call them the classic guys, Guys who are still kind of, you know, in the mix but are older now, like Triple H, who's really in charge of a lot of backstage stuff, obviously. The classic guys just, gosh, they're so well-versed in how to cut a promo. And it's because back in the day, not everything was super scripted. They're very well-versed in being able to go off the cuff. And I like that. And also they're good at playing up on emotions and emotional storytelling. I feel like that's something in WWE that some of the current people lack because I just don't think that they've had that experience with being in emotional type of storylines. So they're not using those skill sets because they, they've never had the chance to to add to them and to train themselves, you know? So I don't know. It's just a reminder how good Triple H is and how good the people he wrestled with at that time were also. Well, and he's a, a guy, we talk about it, I know I have several times on the show, he gives you a believability thing. Like, you believe that he wants to kill Batista for beating up his friend Ric Flair, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's a believability factor, and I think that helps too. Uh, the other thing that jumped out to me, because there wasn't a lot on Raw. Elias' song, and I would love, I know we've got some listeners that are in the Philadelphia area. I would love for you guys to weigh in and tell us what you thought about Elias' song about Philly. Because he killed Philly. He killed the women of Philly. He, oh, my just, gosh. Everything was hilarious. You know, and he's done it 
everywhere but i thought this was one of his best songs it had me laughing it was definitely one of the best songs and i think he even mentioned the mascot yeah 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 you mentioned gritty that's funny you were saying that all the other mascots hate gritty you were telling me about that story yeah there's there's a whole thing in the mascot community where everybody's jealous of gritty well you know i really i love philly i would love to go it's one of the greatest wrestling towns out there having said that kind of going back to a a little comment you just made you said you know raw didn't have many highlights and I, I want to touch on that because last week's Raw, I thought really was on an upswing. Raw was doing well in the past few weeks. But with this Raw, I feel like it went down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the crowd in Philly, and Philly's usually a loud crowd, they weren't very entertained, it seemed like, at some point. They were quiet. Well, I mean, we wrote three notes about Raw. Triple H's promo, Elias's song, and the convoluted women's storyline. So let's... Let's jump to that. Look, you hear stories all the time his, of Vince does things on a whim backstage. They don't stick to a storyline. To me, if there was ever evidence of that, it is this storyline leading up. I mean, you have got this gold main event that pe- the world is going to be talking about, not just the sporting world, but, I, I mean, with Ronda Rousey if it, in the main event and, and as hot as Becky Lynch is, and then, of course, Charlotte Flair and hair lineage. I mean, this is this is easy gold. But WWE is making the storyline so convoluted. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. And I said this like three weeks ago, even more. I was like, they're they're muddying the waters. They've got to be careful going forward. And what's turning out? Confusion, weirdness. Why didn't they just make it a triple threat a long time ago? Why did they have to do this weird, oh, Becky's injury. Oh, she gets arrested. Oh, no. Stephanie welcomes her back like it's nothing. Now she's screwing Ronda over. Then suspends Becky. Then the suspension is lifted. Ronda lays down the belt, acts like she's giving up the belt, comes back. And says, oh, I was just giving you a week to think about it. Then now she turns heel. Back. Then she turns Now that's the one great part about this storyline. I mean, I love her as a heel. Right. She just let loose on the mic. I, people who say she's not good on the mic, let's talk about that tweet that said, if you think she's trash in the ring, you're wrong. Right. If you think she's trash on the mic, you're wrong. Yeah. And they just basically said, you're wrong if you think she's bad because she's actually good. And I know we're going to get thumbs down on YouTube for this. We're going to get dislikes. You right. can add us at Two Face Pod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. And it's okay to agree to disagree, like we always say. And I just, I think she's great. And we're quoting somebody else's podcast. It's off their Twitter, that yeah. exact quote. And I know I retweeted it. I think you did. It was from Busted Open Radio. Yeah. I mean, it was... To me, that that quote, that tweet was dead on. So, you know, look, I think it's still going to be a great main event at WrestleMania. But, I mean, they have botched this beyond belief in my mind. It's just, it's, it, the storyline just makes no sense. When the end result happens, I guess nobody will care no. looking back. When you look back at the great feuds and the great matches at WrestleMania, a lot of times they have a great storyline leading up to it. So when you, whenever, like in 20 years, you look back, they're going to do all these video vignettes and packages highlighting this historic moment, if it truly is the main event. That'll be a historic thing. So they'll, they'll look back at it, they'll do these packages, and it'll have the weirdest lamest, most convoluted storyline when it could have been simple and still effective. Let's switch gears to SmackDown, and you uh, made a note. You wanted to talk about heel Daniel Bryan. I love heel Daniel Bryan. I think, I said this a few weeks ago, I'm liking it, now I'm loving it. I love everything about it. He's playing it off super, super well. It's like 
he is himself, but up a notch. And that's what the greatest characters are. Because, you know, he is very eco-friendly. That's the type of person him and mm -hmm. Brie are. That, that's who they are. So just another notch up. It's kind of smarmy and snotty, and I love it. And it's something totally different that not a lot of people are doing. And he pulls it off really well. And actually, I think I like this Daniel Bryan better than the Yes, Yes, WrestleMania 30 Daniel Bryan. And that's a bold statement. I might get heat for it. But I really like this Daniel Bryan better. It's obviously... Not winning over the crowd, but maybe his work on the mic and, like you said, true to character of what he actually is kind of helps. Well, the headline of the week from WWE is something we have been calling for for months and months. It's not the big belt, but it's a big belt. Samoa Joe finally is a champion, winning the U.S. championship in a great Fatal 4-Way match. Joe! Joe! <laughs> Joe! Joe! I'm so excited it finally happened, and you actually said a few weeks ago, he's got to at least get the U.S. title, I, and it happened. I forgot I said that. You did. Yeah. I think it was either right before or right after Elimination Chamber, but you, you said it on air. So. Yeah. Well, I'm right quite a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. No, it was a great moment. Uh, it was a really fun match. The, the, the boot from Samoa Joe when he kicks Andrade in the side of the head when he's on the ground, I thought that looked brutal. Uh, Andrade dropping Rey Mysterio on his head... That seemed like it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Joe dives outside of the ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, it was uh, really good and really good to see Samoa Joe finally holding up a belt and his backstage promo after saying basically everybody should be afraid and he's coming to get them all. And... It was a long time coming, but at least it happened. And I'm so happy because I said this like a month or two ago, give this man a belt already. <laughs> and finally they did. Finally they did. Thank so, goodness. So let's quickly look ahead to Fastlane and we've got uh, some betting odds from uh, mybookie.ag and our good friend Raphael. Remember, if you want to bet on Fastlane, Open up an account and use the promo code KICKIT. K-I-C-K-I-T. Yeah. And that would benefit us. We could really use it. So please consider, if you like betting, just sign up. <laughs> well, if you look at these lines, uh, Raphael doesn't think uh, any of these are much in doubt. He's picking big favorites. He's got the Usos as minus 850 to beat Miz and Shane McMahon. I think the bigger bet there would be Will Miz and Shane McMahon have a falling out? Oh, yeah. And set up a feud at WrestleMania? Definitely, yes. They teased it a little bit. Now I think it's going to go all the way here. Daniel Bryan, a big favorite over Kevin Owens. That's not much of a surprise. I think I think Daniel Bryan retains and hopefully faces Kofi at That's WrestleMania. That's what I am hoping for. I mean, if it goes any other way, it's a waste of Kofi's momentum. The emotional reaction if he won at mania would be insane and it'd be something they talk about for years and years like like i said the becky charlotte ronda thing could be talked about for years and years so could this match if they actually let kofi win and it, even if they put kofi in it period yeah i think so i think and don't forget uh even though new day was on a promotional tour in india kofi said he would be at fast lane so we'll see if uh, he makes himself involved in some way in that uh, he's got uh, Boston Hug Connection, a big favorite over Nia Jax and Tamina. Uh, Women's SmackDown Championship, Asuka, a big favorite over Mandy Rose. Six-man tag. I'm surprised he doesn't have uh, the Shield as bigger favorites. I mean, I think it... I, mean, I don't think there's any way the Shield doesn't win with Roman getting the pin. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. And now that you mention that, I mean, they've got Roman opening up raw again like like he never left so yeah i guess that would make sense and it'd be a feel-good moment he'd get a ton of cheers yeah i think so and then 
you know, this one as well. There's no way Becky Lynch doesn't win unless they're going to do some other swerve to get her into the main event. She's, you know, the stipulation she is win. she has to win to get into WrestleMania into the three-way. So. Unless she sneaks in, like you said, some other yeah. way, but I think she's going to win. So, uh, it feels like this is a pay-per-view with a lot of, uh, easy results to see. Uh, not in his odds. I'm, I'm intrigued by the, uh, triple threat tag team match where uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black go against the Revival and go against uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. I think that could be a really good match. It as could well. be. They're all great performers and great wrestlers. Let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk about a, a wrestling show that we uh, tuned into on Saturday. Uh, MLW had a show, a live show on BN Sports. It was a big show in Chicago, huge hot crowd. And, you know, they had two shows live on TV and the rest are TV tapings mm-hmm. to air down the road. Two matches, and I, I thought uh, it was kind of a fun show for an hour, you know, especially on a weekend where there wasn't a lot going on. It was it was a good show to watch. It was a good show, and like you said, the crowd was hot, and to me, that's one of the number one things. I know it's a small thing, but that's something that adds so much to a match, and yes, it has nothing to do with the guys in the ring, so you really can't control it, but it adds a lot to the people watching at home. It makes it more exciting, so to me, that crowd really added to it for me personally, and I think out of the two matches that we got to see on that live show, I actually liked the the first match better. Mm-hmm. So Tarus and Laredo Kid versus the Lucha Bros. And I really loved the ring gear the Lucha Bros came out with. I feel like it was kind of like Egyptian feel. And they had special masks and everything. I really... It was either Egyptian or Gladiator. Or a mix of both. It was kind of odd. But I really liked it and I thought it was unique. I thought it was a good match. <laughs> Once again, one of second time in the last month and a half that Phoenix has vaulted into the crowd. Yeah. You know, I thought that was crazy as well. You see, I keep thinking that he's mistakenly going into the crowd. <laughs> you think it's on purpose. Oh, I think it's... When we watched... Um... One time is a mistake. Twice, I think it's got to be on purpose. Yeah, I know, but it just looks so extreme when he did it at that show, Come Hell or High Water. If you saw that match, it was against Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, and he's trying to dive onto, I think it was Kazarian, and he overshoots him and goes into the chairs. It just looked like it wasn't planned, but maybe it was after seeing this where he did it again. Uh, a little bit of bad TV work, though. We always got to, I guess because we're in TV, always be critical when things don't look good. I guess they, nobody they, else really goes no, into this. But, I don't know. We just have that eye. They completely missed the pinfall. had a bad camera angle of the finish. It was... I mean, you couldn't even see the finish. No. That's the biggest part of the match. <laughs> no. So that was kind of bad. But uh, overall, it, it, it was uh, a, a good match. And, and again, like we said, it was a good show to have on a Saturday night. And then the main event was uh, Loki, who was a longtime MLW champ, going against Filthy Tom Lawler in a steel cage match. Uh, the old school WWE cage, not like the chain link fence, but the big bars with the you know, separated so you can see into the cage better. I like that cage a lot, but I don't like the match itself because the point is to hit the ground, yeah. and yet they're both holding on. Right. And they're not even that high up, it felt like. So to me, like, the end was kind of cloudy, and I wasn't really a fan of the ending at all. And, of course, we had Tom Lawler, who retained. But, you know, MLW is... It, is a very long-time promotion. I like them overall. I like their presentation, minus some of the bad TV work in this. But your friend Idiots has some has some one-on-one real-life experience going to MLW from long ago. Yeah, the first incarnation of MLW. Uh, he used to go to show, shows at the War Memorial Auditorium. 
Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, Loki was involved back Loki, then. Yeah, Loki was involved back then. That's how long he's been around. So uh, good to see MLW back. We'll see, as I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago, because they have some AEW talent on their roster, are they going to work together with AEW? How's that going to work? I don't know. I keep seeing tweets like anything is possible in this day and age. I mean, even the owner of MLW has said that. Like, you know, it's 2018. Anything's possible. And that's why, like, you know, Jimmy Havoc's still involved, like, still involved with MLW. Hell, AAA, who is apparently partnered with AEW, that's, you know, Tarus and Laredo Kid, they're a part of that. So everybody working together, the Lucha Bros, it's, it's kind of crazy how the two rosters seem to have so many similarities. That's what makes me think there's some kind of working relationship there. Jim Cornette was on the uh, broadcast, and I, I laughed that he had his tennis racket with a B-in logo uh, cover for his tennis racket. And then he and... had that bizarre line. Yes, the line I I don't even understand. I'm not even sure we wrote it down right. I don't we think so we did. Confused by it, but we think he said it either took or it takes a lot of her gravy to go all over my plate. <sighs> talking about you, the you, valet. You joke about me being a deviant mind, and I still have no idea. Uh, I, I've I've tried to figure this line out. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it's weird. Yeah, it was all a very bizarre line. But the show ended with a uh, guy's crash in the ring, and. uh that was just insanity. Yeah, there was like that awesome splash off the top of the cage. Oh man, I want to find out more about these guys. And yeah. that was really the most interesting part of that match to me. Yeah, it was. And uh, it was a good show. Again, kind of an unexpected bonus. We weren't sure about watching it, on, you know. And uh, we we went through a lot of trouble to because we, we did. didn't have BN Sports on Hulu. Didn't have anybody's login that had uh, BN Sports on their cable system. Went through a whole hullabaloo, as you like to, to say. To watch it, we did. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was worth it. And, and you know, I think we're going to try to watch more MLW when we can, especially when it's on YouTube. So easily accessible. So, to me, we're going to try to in the future. Not every week, but every now and then you'll, you'll hear us talk about MLW. That's a goal of ours. Certainly on down weeks. Well, let's switch gears. Ring of Honor has a big show next week. Big main event. And they've uh, had this video series going on and a great one with Taven and Lethal. More from the Taven perspective, it felt like. But you, you really brought my attention to that, and I watched it this afternoon. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was well edited. There was some really cool effects with the sequence. Like, you know, Taven's purple sequences falling from the sky. And, not sequence, it's, what's it called? You know what I'm talking The confetti. I'm thinking of costume sequences. It was Which conf- are sequins, not sequences. What? Whatever. Costume things are sequins. I can't speak well. I can't speak English. (laughs) Regardless. I'm Cajun. (laughs) But anyway, it was really cool. Some of the effects they had it like blending in with the next scene. And it just really, I don't know, it was well done. But really more than the visuals was the story of the video. And this is a part of the Pinnacle series on Ring of Honor's YouTube channel. Done by the same people who bring you NWA 10 Pounds of Gold. And I just think that the storytelling in both of those series are so important and is a really key part of, eventually, the actual matches. And that's what I think we're missing a little bit with AEW's Double or Nothing build. I like the Road to Double or Nothing videos, but I already said this on the on the show before. It just doesn't have the same emotional storytelling. Like, they introduced the crowd to Brandon Cutler, but it, and it was emotional, but it could have been even more fleshed out and talked about more, and they could have highlighted Cutler more, because he's somebody I follow and really love, and we'll talk about him later in our PWG segment, but... 
you know, rewinding back to Ring of Honor, the pinnacle, you just feel how bad Taven wants to win and the emotion behind it and how upset he was when Lethal destroyed his, you know, world championship belt that he had made purple. Well, and I like the lighting on it. I like the way Taven was addressing the camera, but the lighting was kind of underneath him. Uh, I thought it was really well done, and uh, I am really fired up for that show next week. I think it's going to be fun when you think about, and we'll preview it all, but Lethal Taven, Briscoes versus PCO and Brody King. I mean, it's going to be a good show. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. And Like, you know, you have to wait sometimes a long time between Ring of Honor's big pay-per-views, but the wait is worth it because a lot of times with these bigger shows, they pull out all the stops, and the pinnacle really adds to it because not everyone gets to catch their TV. Right. You know, it's hard to catch. It's it's on different times all around the country. But this is a good way. If you guys aren't caught up on Ring of Honor TV, you don't know much about the Taven lethal story, check it out, The Pinnacle, on YouTube. It's called Thy Kingdom Come. That's the video title for that one. The Pinnacle, Thy Kingdom Come. Well, speaking of videos, let's uh, also talk about NWA and the, their great 10 Pounds of Gold series. Uh, another uh, release this week. Good friend. Better Villain is the name, and that's the 50th episode of NWA's 10 Pounds of Gold series, like we just mentioned. It's also based heavily with story and emotional storytelling, and I think that's what makes it work. So this week's episode focused on Aldous and Skrull and their friendship, but putting that friendship aside because they've got to get to business, and they're going to face each other in April, and it's going to be awesome, and I just liked it a lot. I like the lighting again. It was done at the Ring of Honor Dojo, the interview with with Aldous. He was there training, and then he was sitting on the ring with the cool dojo logo behind him, just really well lit and really well framed, and just artsy stuff. I like that type of thing. I think we have an eye for that sometimes because we're on TV like we were just talking about. So that's stuff that people don't really notice. But I think even though you don't notice it, I do think it adds to people who are not even aware of it. It's just kind of like a thing that adds depth to everything. But more so, like I said, the storytelling's there about them being friends. But it's not about friendship. It's about business. And quickly, since it was the 50th episode, I want to give a highlight to a few of my favorite episodes of this great series. Because I really do think it's great. If you guys aren't following it, it's easy to go back and catch up. So one of my favorite episodes actually highlights... Jim Cornette's collection of wrestling memorabilia. It, they go to his house, and you see his insane collection of old magazines, old VHS tapes. I think he even had beta tapes. I can't remember. But it's all so well-documented and organized in his house. And you got to check it out because his collection's massive. Although he's weird on commentary, his house rules. <laughs> and I'd give anything to have his collection. Well. You don't have his collection, but you've got a pretty good collection of uh, PWG DVDs, and uh, that's going to be what we uh, talk about next when we debut a new segment as we discuss one of our favorite promotions and how today's stars have had some of their best matches at an American Legion building in Reseda, California. PWG Rewind is next. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. 
Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now I'm so excited to introduce our new segment. Back in my day, video stores told you to be kind, rewind. Well, we're taking their advice, we're kind, and we're rewinding by taking a look back at PWG through the years in our new segment, It's Time for PWG Rewind. And if you don't live in Reseda, California, and don't know how to get, even watch PWG, you've heard us talk about it, but you're like, how do, it's not on TV. How do, I, how do I even watch this promotion that everybody seems to like? Well, buy the DVDs. <laughs> like Paul alluded to at the end of our first segment, I really have only two wrestling addictions. I used to have another one. I used to collect action figures, but I was like, this can't continue on because it was getting too expensive. Then it became Pro Wrestling Tees, T-shirts. I have, like, God, hundreds, hundreds. I'm not exaggerating, sadly. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but the third is my PWG DVDs, as you referenced. I have quite a few. Mm-hmm. We haven't counted them, but there are a lot. Yep. And I... I anticipate getting more. Well, of course. Yeah. They're my favorite thing to watch, honestly. So you could buy the DVDs, like he said, and just go to ProWrestlingGorilla.com, or you can sign up for HighSpots.com network. But, you know, they're not as up-to-date for their streaming on that. Basically, I think the latest stuff you can find from PWG on there is from 2017, but it does go all the way back to 2004. So if you want to watch older stuff, go check out High Spots Network, sign up for that. But if you want to keep up with the newer stuff, buy the DVDs. You can get them pretty fast. They're very reliable and ship really, really, really quickly. And look, they're not high production value. It's not It's not a WWE show, It, but it's it's the grittiness of it. You know, it, like I said, it's an American Legion hall or a VFW hall or whatever. It, it used is. to be. Now it moved. Yeah, but yeah. 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 Now it's at the Globe Theater, which we went to. We went to our first and only, unfortunately, PWG show at the Globe Theater, which and it was, was the there. first one yeah. there. Yeah. That was such a great show. But like you said, it's not about the production value. It's about the feel, and it's about the wrestling. To me, no other company screams wrestling. What wrestling can be, what it should be, it's just about your jaw dropping to the ground. Yeah, you don't have the most intense storylines there. No. But, like I said, the wrestling takes precedence over everything in PWG. And to me, that's why I love it. And when I first showed you a PWG DVD, I remember the reaction. You're like, yeah. (laughs) At first you're like, we can't watch more wrestling. But then you're like, yeah, I'll watch this anytime. I was like, heck yeah, I told you. Yeah, and there are so many parts of why we love PWG. I mean, it starts with... Excalibur, the to me, yeah, play-by-play guy who is great. You probably saw him on All In. If you're not familiar with him on PWG, he was on All In. He was also a part of the AEW streaming big announcement right. party in Las Vegas, right. which makes me think he's going to be a part of AEW. And I believe they did announce that. And I was asked by somebody on a live stream, "Who would you want to do commentary for AEW?" I said, "Uh, Excalibur." Nobody was saying that, and then lo and behold, it happens. Well, he does a lot of these shows by himself. Sometimes he'll have Chucky e. T as his analyst. Sometimes the referee Rick Knox. But a lot there's several shows where he does the whole show himself, and he's losing his voice by the end because yeah. he's so into it. Especially when he yells. 
unbelievable. <laughs> I can't do it very well, but he is. Unbelievable. And that's what he yep. is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and the crowds are so rowdy, uh, but they're knowledgeable, you know. They know when they've got to pull their chairs back because something's going to come into the crowd. They don't overly involve themselves with a few exceptions (laughs) with the wrestlers they they know not to interfere and and so that part is great and you've got like diverse crowd because you've got the actual hardcore wrestling fans but then you got fans who are obviously just pwg fans and like even celebrities have been known to show up there before rousey was ever in wwe she was seen at pwg shows so was Shayna baszler and of course we also have one of my favorite uh, characters from a TV show, Topanga, the actress who played Topanga was there as well. She really actually enjoyed Leo Rush when he was in PWG. They, they took a picture together. Wow, the guitarist from Tool, who you met. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that completely. So when I went to New Japan Pro Wrestling's first show in the U.S., well, first kind of semi-recent show in the U.S., because they did do this a, a while back, but... So there was this fan meet-and-greet beforehand, and I had a Young Bucks costume when I was walking around, and... These two guys are like, oh, great costume. I'm like, thanks. I go over to talk to him. And this guy who's always at every PWG show in the front row, you could see him in like a Boston jersey a lot of times. And he was like, oh, do you know who that is with us at the table? And I'm like, no. It's the guitarist for Tool. I was like, Whoa. like you would just know that. <laughs> you know, even if you're a Tool fan, do you necessarily know what the guitarist looks like? I mean, some really Maybe. hardcore fans, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know Tool, but I didn't know that was the guitarist. Right, right. Uh, Will, I think it was the guitarist or the bassist. I think I heard at some point Will Ferrell used to go to the PWG I don't know. shows. I think he was like a celebrity. I thought. Her, I heard, had gone to a couple of the shows, I, uh, too. I have watched sparsely the old stuff, and mostly through collections, but one of my next goals is to kind of start backlogging and getting older DVDs, whole shows, not just collections. Well, the thing about PWG is it's some of the wrestl- best wrestling you're going to see. Uh, like you said, there's not a lot of storyline, for the most part. But it's you don't just, need it. It's just really, really great wrestling. And some of your favorite people... Or some of the people that are soon to be your favorite people, if you're an NXT fan. Or AEW fan, too, actually. Or an AEW fan. This is where they've had some of their best matches already. And dream matches that they're promoting now in other promotions already happened in PWG. I mean, you got Lucha Brothers versus the Bucks, which literally happened in PWG. Eventually, I think we're going to get matt riddle versus keith lee and that was a flipping awesome match yeah. in pwg yeah, i can't even say enough we don't, about we that. don't want to give too much away on that because when that match does happen we're going to break down their first meeting which was incredible i don't know how they could beat it in nxt but they might but i don't know then you've got your awesome steen el generico matches from the past of course they've tagged and gone against each other in wwe as owens and zane Right. Uh, Sammy Guevara, Joey Janela, Hangman Page. Jungle Boy, if you're not familiar, R.I.P. Luke Perry. That's Luke Perry's son. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he's also the, one of the newest members of AEW. Young Bucks, of course, have had a storied history there and uh, some really great matches as well. God, if you go back and listen to our Young Bucks special, tons of matches we talked about were from PWG. And they've got a great five-star collection DVD, all with great Young Bucks matches. It's two discs, and it's worth the price. It's great. I've also got an El Generico collection, and uh, we'll talk about it in a second, a Kevin Steen collection. But um, the Bucks ones, some of their greatest matches, and literally my favorite matches, someone asked me, what's your favorite match? What's your favorite Bucks match specifically? 
I will always say Cutler Brothers versus El Generico and Paul London versus The Bucks. And yeah, it sounds random, but it starts right out the gate really fast. Hard-hitting, crazy spots. There's even some spots involved with uh, these little things, these snap pops that you throw at New Year's. They put those on a table, and I believe Matt Jackson goes into them, goes into the table. It's awesome. Just one of the greatest matches. And again, Brandon Cutler, who is a part of the Cutler Brothers, is now a part of AEW, and he's been a longtime friend of the Bucks. He actually, he and his wife make the Bucks gear. So all of this is related. PWG, to me, is like the lifeblood of great wrestling. They they have great wrestlers who, who wind up being in the big leagues, you know, and who, who really just kind of get a name in PWG and through PWG. And I think that's really special. Also, like you said, it's about the wrestling. Longer matches is a part of that. They have very long matches there. So you've got a DVD with, with five to seven matches. Yeah. But they're all really a decent length. No, even the matches you think on paper, you're like, eh, this will be all right. You know, and then it's, it's amazing. <laughs> now, we can't claim to know everything about PWG. I wish I lived nearby. <laughs> I'd literally go to every show. There are people who go to every show, yeah, actually. And there are hard tickets to get. I mean, they I mean, sell out in minutes. I mean, I mean seconds sometimes. I mean, it's, it only, the, the shows in Reseda only held like 250 people. It's <laughs> funny. So the show we went to, I couldn't believe we got tickets so easily because I was like, how could this be? I heard it sells out so fast. And it was just on a whim that I even tried. And, of course, that wound up being, they didn't announce it ahead of time. They were like, oh, there was a mistake. We have to do it at the Globe Theater. I was like, damn it, I'm not going to get the true PWG experience. But although they moved venues, it still was PWG. But I did, I really do wish, if we could go back in time, we could have <laughs> gone to the the hall in Rosita. Man, oh well. If you watch the DVDs, you, you feel like you're there. Well, as you mentioned, a lot of your favorite current wrestlers have had amazing matches in PWG. Which leads us to a special look at Kevin Steen, now known as Kevin Owens, who, as we mentioned earlier in the show, will be in the championship match at Fastlane. But his formative, if that's the right word, years were in PWG, and we're going to go through a few of his matches, and we're going to start with his debut in PWG against El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn. November thirteenth, two 2004, it was his debut in PWG, and... Two things jumped out at me right away. Yeah, he's still the same guy. Like, his character oh, yeah. has essentially not changed. Like, you go back to 2004, he's fleshed out. This is what he is. This is what he's always been. He is Kevin Owens slash he is Kevin Steen. I mean, he just is the same old character. And I love that. Him talking to the crowd oh, the whole the time. Oh, the interaction with the crowd was great. Literally yeah, the whole the match. Telling the crowd to be nice. And, yeah. Also, it's not in Rosita. No, hall. it was at a high school gym. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you could see the backboard for a basket in the background. There was no play-by-play yeah. announcer. Kevin Steen looks so young in that show and like a baby face, you know, which is funny because he kind of looks in that show what his kid looks like now. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that was an amazing match. But you, like you said, you see the formative development of Kevin Owens' character and the way he he interacted with the crowd, and it was a great match. It was, and uh, no play-by-play announcer either. So not only was it in a gym, but you had no play-by-play guy, and it just, also, the ropes looked really loose. Oh, yeah, I remember. That was scary. Yeah, yeah, like I can't see somebody, a super high flyer going off of that. Well, that leads us to uh, All-Star Weekend 2011. It was uh, Kevin Steen and Tazawa against 
Generico and Ricochet. It was All-Star Weekend 2011. <laughs> and Tazawa, it was his last match in uh, PWG. It actually. was. But what stuck out to me right away, you were like, that doesn't even look like Ricochet. And I'm like, that's Ricochet. Yeah. He is a mohawk. Oh, my God. You've got to go back and watch this match for no other reason. If you didn't know it was Ricochet, you'd be like, who is this guy? I, I mean. Know. He, he looked completely different. He looked, it was crazy. He looked ridiculous. He looked different, but he performed the same, if not better. And I say better because he took more risks. I mean, it's funny. Even in on commentary, Chuck Taylor was talking smack about Ricochet's hair. Well, and then there was the bizarre thing. I know we're getting off topic because it's supposed oh, yeah. to be about Kevin Steen. But they made this reference to ricochet being a chicken farmer in sandy fork delaware are they confused with the briscoes what's happening or are they trying to lump him in as one of the briscoes it was very bizarre again we're not like maybe that was like a joke back then (laughs) in pwg because we haven't watched full old shows we watched a lot of compilations which are just single matches from like older years but you know if you guys know something we don't about this inside thing this inside joke they must have said about sandy fork and ricochet let us know because i didn't know what they were talking about but if you guys know tweet us at two-faced pod well and we mentioned this as we were watching obviously his debut was against generico in this match he's with generic against generico and you were like I wonder how many times they've wrestled over the years when you think about being together in Montreal. So not just wrestling against each other, though, also tagging together. How many times? Or just practice matches in a gym in Montreal. Yeah. You know, how many times have they gone against each other, teamed with each other? I mean, it's got to be hundreds. I mean, over hundreds. I I don't even know. But that'd be really interesting. I wonder if they would have an estimation. I'm sure they've been asked on a podcast somewhere at some point, but... I'd love to know their estimation. It was a uh, it was a fun match. It was a really good match, but uh, still not even in our list of matches that I think was the best yeah. of the Steen matches. So let's uh, turn to Battle of Los Angeles, two thousand thirteen. Johnny Gargano, about five years ago, looking exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, look no different. Like his beard is cropped the same way. He's got the same haircut. <laughs> he does. No different at all. <laughs> I uh I thought that was funny, but, you know, I think it's great because Gargano and Candice LeRae both have a history. Again, somebody you should check out from PWG, Candice LeRae. One old school Bucks match I forgot to mention in this show that we did talk about in our Bucks special was Candice tagging with Joey Ryan against the Bucks. One of the greatest PWG matches ever. And definitely one of Candice's greatest matches, just because it's so historic. She winds up with a bloody face, but you guys got to go back and check that one out. So, of course, Johnny Gargano's her husband. And in this match, I really liked it. And actually, Kevin Steen tapped out to Johnny in this match. And it's funny because it was a Kevin Steen collection. Right. And a lot of these matches he lost. Right. I mean, the the spot in this match that is amazing is Gargano spears Steen off the apron, down into the chairs... And then later, Gargano gets out of two package pile drivers and, uh, like you said, submits Kevin Owens. Now we're going to move on to my favorite match we watched. This match was Uh, on. I mean, you got to check it out, you you, guys. You got to check it out. You took notes and you took almost two pages of notes. I kept writing and writing. You could just go through your notes. Tell them how we. I kept kept telling you, pause the match. I'm still writing. Like, like, pause the match. I'd go, oh my God. Oh, I missed that. I was writing something down. Yeah. Oh my God, I missed that. Watch the match. It took how long for us to watch that one match? Like an hour. I don't know. 
Uh, it was really, really good. Oh, and God. I just want to read some of our notes, like, directly from it, because it was great. But it was Kevin Steen and the Young Bucks against a guy named A.R. Fox, who we knew nothing about. Yeah. And by the end, we're researching a million things, and we'll talk about how that led us into some other stuff as well. Um, A.R. Fox, Rich Swan, and Ricochet again. And Ricochet looks completely different in this match, too. I know. It's like he's evolving into different looks. It's crazy. So start going through your, your notes, because you got a ton of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, first off the bat, this is kind of like a well-known match because the Bucks and Kevin Steen were wearing matching gear, and it's awesome. It's got fringe everywhere. It's light blue. Steen looks ridiculous in it. But, but it, that's the point. But, but it's, that's the point. It's, it's very funny. The crowd sings all night long song to Swan. Uh, God, there's there's springboards going on, multiple. Oh, this is Ricochet. He does six or seven backhand springs in a row. Then he tags out. In place. Yeah, in place. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, it wasn't like across the ring. Like I'm so excited about this match. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I'm <laughs> so excited. Uh, Rick Ricochet was imitating the Rock, uh, but instead of doing the people's <laughs> elbow, he did the people's moonsault. Speaking uh, of hair, Rich Swan <laughs> had way better hair than he does with that star cut in yep, his hair. Yeah. He looked like he had normal hair. Uh, Steen tossing Fox into the chairs, into the crowd. Uh, Matt mocks the all-night-long song while on offense. I mean, just, there's so much stuff. But this AR Fox, the stuff he was doing in this match. He blew us away. And you even said, like, when Ricochet is, like, not the best person in the match. <laughs> right. you know, and, and when the Bucks, right. who are, like, some of the best high flyers ever, when the Bucks aren't the highlight of the match, like, you know this person in the match is insanely good, and it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so it led us to, okay, where does this guy wrestle? Okay, he's wrestling at Lucha Underground, and he's in this AEW, and then we end up... And I had heard of AEW, and I didn't remember. That's where the Bucks just invaded. Right, so I, I did this whole... It was, like... Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation. Yeah. I started looking at AR Fox, then I look at what he's doing, then I'm looking at this AAW, then I look up AAW and see that this is where the Young Bucks had, had just like a few days earlier invaded. So it was so cool how everything was related. Like AR Fox is still wrestling and he's still they still are in a promotion that the Bucks just had a touch in. Like, you know, they're not heavily involved in AEW, but they had their hands in it. And that led us to here. It's so crazy. Another thing to remember about this match is that people in the crowd were so amped up. Like, we talked about how great the crowd is for PWG. During this match, they were high-fiving. They were cheering. I don't even know what the actual verb of that is. They were cheersing, salute, cheering. Salute, whatever. Yeah, they were, um, but you know, click, tapping beers together yeah. during the match because they were so excited. It was not St. Arnold like you were drinking. No, <laughs> it's not St. Arnold. It was just beer and pitchers. It yeah. doesn't even say a name on Which the Which is another funny thing when you watch PWG. They sell the beers, not in glasses, not in bottles. Not... They sell them in pitchers. So everybody in the crowd is holding a pitcher of beer. And everyone goes into the crowd, and the crowd's super close to the ring. They all, like, bang on the ring. I just think that's all so PWG. Now, the new venue's a little different. As we When we were there, it's a little further back, but they kind of wanted everyone to feel close. So people were close in the front row still. They, they put the chairs pretty close. Swan uh, DDT'd Steen, and then the Bucks super kicked him, which was awesome. Springboard Spanish fly on to Nick. Multiple shooting stars. There was a 450 splash. <laughs> Crazy sequence. Oh my god, it was insane. The, of course, you had Owens doing his package pile driver, and then he lifted Matt Jackson so that Matt can do a Meltzer driver. Oh yeah, that was that was amazing. So, uh, one of the ones in, in our review of Kevin Steen 
in PWG where he did get the victory, he and the Young Bucks. It was, of all the matches we're, we just said, and we would recommend any of them or, or rent that whole DVD, but that match with... Yeah, buy it, yeah. But, yeah, buy it. But that match with the Bucks and Steen versus Fox, Swan, and Ricochet was incredible. That might be one of my favorite PWG matches I've ever seen. It was so, so good. And again, we just... And we're not doing it justice. <laughs> we really aren't. We really aren't. So even though you're like, oh, they told us all this stuff. No, guys. There's like a ton of things I didn't even write down. I was like, oh, I can't keep writing all this. I can't keep up. Well, and just us talking about it. Just doesn't do it justice at you, all. You gotta see it. You, you gotta see really it. do. I, we can't recommend it highly enough. But also, you know, these are just a few of the matches from the Steam DVD. And it's called Not Another Steam DVD. Because <laughs> there's been so many when he was like... With ring of honor there's a whole bunch with them too but i really recommend getting it and we only did four or so so in the future we might do more yeah i mean i think there were six or seven matches on each dvd and there were two of them right? yeah they so, were so definitely worth checking it out definitely worth checking out pwg and i'm excited about the fact that we're going to do this as a semi-regular segment we're going to try and tie it into Current matches. So, like we said, if Keith Lee goes against Matt Riddle, we're we, going to do a we've PWG. Got, we've got rewind. evidence of their previous matches. You know, I think, you know, we we mentioned Gargano and Steen. Now that uh, Tommaso Ciampa has the neck injury, Gargano may go the singles route for a while. Who knows? Gargano and Kevin Owens could go yeah. against each other. You know? And then we'd see a repeat of that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. And like we said, not only will we kind of tie it into current stuff but sometimes we will just take a look at random old ones yeah. and then just talk about it for a segment but the whole point is this is a good way because i was kind of complaining lately and lamenting oh i wish we could watch more pwg and now i found like this is the perfect way to kind of make me watch pwg if it's for the show i mean no one really needs to force you that's how good it is but we need to make time we watch so much stuff and, and i think this segment is worth it nobody's talking pwg if people do start talking pwg just remember we kind of did right. it as a segment on our podcast and, at and, the forefront and we're trying to catch up on the dvds i think we're six behind you know we still we started i think i'm four behind uh, actually we, we went through the all-star weekend and i think something else is, battle of los angeles is, well, we've got three of those to go through so yeah i know so. oh you mean we haven't i thought you meant owning no no we're was, only four behind with owning the DVDs. yeah but i mean watching yeah <laughs> we're still behind on the things so, we own to so, watch so we're, we're gonna we're gonna crank that up as well yeah, definitely. But guys, I can't say it enough. You gotta check out PWG, and I look forward to keep talking about that promotion with you over, you know, however long we do this podcast because it's one of my favorite things ever. Well, and it's certainly one of the things that Kelsey likes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna close out the show and send them home with another segment in addition to Kelsey likes that you want to uh, reveal. Yeah, I I've been teasing that I'm doing two live shows and i revealed the kelsey likes one like we talked about at the beginning of the show but my other premise we kind of talked about it last week a little but not really it's called either or and basically i can't make decisions as we said last week it's me putting out votes on what topics i should do and then you guys kind of essentially making me choose between things i love like shawshank redemption or Goodfellas. 
I love it. I can't. I have to choose in this segment. You have to choose either or. What's your favorite? What's the best? Choose one or the other. You have to choose. So that's the whole kind of premise of the show, me choosing and explaining why. So it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show versus Kelsey Likes. But again, it'll be live. It'll be weekly. And it'll be on Periscope and on YouTube Live. So please stay tuned to at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, for more info as it gets closer. And I'm going to quickly close out the show with a, a, a star that sort of we've t- touched base on this. Uh, she's wrestling in fast lane, but is starting to feel like a forgotten superstar. And maybe after WrestleMania, after the hype of this this super popular women's triple threat that is taking shape, uh, hopefully she'll get back in the limelight, is Asuka. Uh, Asuka, to me, seems like she has kind of just disappeared. And we talked about that before. And she had a scare recently, too. What's that? She kind of got dropped by Mandy Rose. Oh, But yeah. she tweeted out that she's okay. Yeah. But yeah, she, keep going. She's not been prominent. Yeah, no, she hasn't. And uh, actually, she faces Mandy Rose this weekend, which good for Mandy Rose. She's coming off a strong Elimination Chamber performance. But still, Mandy Rose versus Asuka just isn't exciting to me. And I'm wondering what they're going to do with Asuka for WrestleMania. That's, that's a big concern of mine because last year it was a dream match. Asuka was coming in, you know, hadn't been beaten. Goes against Charlotte. Great match. She loses to Charlotte, and it's kind of been a downfall since then. At least she's got the belt back. But I look at SmackDown right now, and I look at potential competitors. None of it really excites me, which makes me hope that they're going to put Nikki Cross on SmackDown so that at least they can build up that rivalry, which they had a great rivalry in NXT. Just Asuka needs something right now, and I'm hoping it's going to happen sooner than later. I was actually going to say, the other underutilized person is Nikki Cross. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's perfect to see them work together again, I think, would elevate both the ladies. And I'd love to see it because I'm just a big fan of Nikki Cross especially. And she's not being used very much since she moved to the main roster. I mean, if you're going to separate her from Sanity, at least give her a great singles push, you know? Right, right. I mean, not that she was wrestling with Sanity, but she was such a part of them and came out with them. So if you're going to make her be a alone at least like let her have great singles kind of a push i agree and we will see and we will see what happens at fast lane we will see what happens at new japan cup as uh, it gets underway this weekend and we'll get ready for the big ring of honor show next week when we're right back with you on two-face wrestling talk yep we want to thank you for your time thanks for watching us if you're watching on youtube thanks for listening if you're checking us out on the audio platforms it means so much to us that you take your time every week to tune into us please tell your friends about us please share on social media please give us a follow give us your feedback we want to hear from you it really means a lot to us thanks so much again enjoy the rest of your day your week etc etc that's it for us that's the finish 